Wiseman say podcast. We're previewing the weekend's fixture against Port Vale in the FA Cup. We're in the FA Cup first round, everyone. Uh, that everyone would be Matthew Keelan and Michael Loft this afternoon. All right. Hello. You Hello. Right? Yeah, I'm all right. Yeah. Everyone Bye. okay? Uh, big day today, of course. It is the day that uh, Greg's have uh, relaunched the festive bake. Have any of you guys sampled the wares yet? Not yep. fun. Not a fan? Not I've a fan. Had one. You had one? Yeah. First day. Uh, and was it as good as you remember? It was. It was. The um, I got the last one. From, Did you really? From, from Shields Road in Biker. I, I had the last um, one. So I had to run out with that thing. Yeah, if someone <laughs> saw you with that on the man. street. High street value of that. You could at least, you know, made an mm-hmm. extra 50p or something. Uh, it, my, my timeline was just full of um, people enjoying festive people bakes like on me. Instagram. People like you. You were one of them. Um, but we're not going to hear we're not here to talk about festive bakes, are we, all evening. We're going to talk about the Sun Football Club. And they're playing Portville at the weekend, but there's always stuff happening. Uh, stuff we're going to get through tonight. Uh, we had the official announcement that Papi Dilabodji has ended his uh, contract at Sunderland. Uh, we'll get into contract talks in general. We'll be looking at your tweets to us this afternoon. Uh, we will also be uh, looking at the decision to play Wickham uh, next weekend. And the delightful news, which broke only a couple of hours ago, that uh, Duncan Watmore uh, played about 25 minutes in a friendly uh, up at the academy, I, I think. Uh, we'll start there. That's good news, isn't it, Michael? Yeah, on the way over, I have to put some like brief highlights of like, Duncan Watmore's best bits in a brief interview at the end. And when I was watching it, somebody, I can't remember who it was, but someone did a slide tackle on Watmore, and I felt like a really overprotective parent. Yeah. Leave like, him! Really, yeah. I was like, <laughs> like no 50-50s, nothing daft. Yeah. Just... No blammers. Nah. But, he, um, but no, obviously, it's pleasing to see, and I'll tell you what, from, I know you can't really judge a lot from like 30 seconds worth of highlights, but he certainly doesn't look to have lost his pace. He looks in good nick as he well, does. considering as well. I think he's been really carefully managed, like not rushed back, so... Hopefully we'll be able to see him maybe make an impact off the bench in the coming weeks, which will only bolster the squad even further. Are you equally as excited, Matthew? Yeah, I think in this league particularly, his pace, if he if he hopefully hasn't lost any of it, and he's I think he's he's got more technical ability as well than some people give him credit for, I think. Yeah. Hell he's on in the Premier League, don't forget. So yeah, I think definitely there's that Morecambe game coming up and if you yeah. whether that's too soon, but you never know. It'd be good. I think it would do him good to have him in and around the Squad, he's well, not necessarily coming on, but yeah. Um, I mean, Jack Ross mentioned the other week that there's a lot of fullbacks in this league. Sunderland's the worst nightmare because you have someone like Lyndon Goose running at you for 60 minutes, and then you can bring somebody like Ian McGady off the bench. But imagine you've had someone run the legs off you, like a Lyndon Goose, for example, for 60 70 minutes, and you say, Don't want more coming, <laughs> yeah. coming yeah. on the run at you. And what more, what I think is a very underrated part of his game is when he gets a ball, he's equally happy going inside or outside of a fullback. Yeah. And when you're a fullback and you've got nowhere to show him and be comfortable, then that's, as I say, it's just an absolute nightmare. So hopefully he can show that when he comes back. There's also news in the week, uh, on similarly on injuries, that Charlie White may be ahead of schedule as well. Does that not only solve an issue for transfers, uh, but, but also you know it just shows that um, maybe you know everything is... Going the right way for once, you know, we're not having setbacks and, you know, in, in injuries, that kind of thing. The bad luck has gone, Michael. <laughs> You're speaking far too prematurely, in my opinion. <laughs> but, um, no, obviously it's good news why coming back, because although he didn't particularly impress in the few games he had, he still managed to get a goal under his belt. And it was quite unfair to judge him, actually, because he'd had quite a lengthy layoff and he'd only been back three or four games when he got another injury. So I think we do need to be a little bit patient with him. And he's going to offer us something different, isn't he? Because... Although Sinclair is quite tenacious and you get a lot of work 
work with from. He's not exactly the type of centre forward you're going to be whipping balls into the box too. Whereas White, as I say, just gives you that different dimension, and he's very much like Madrin that he's a he's a box player in my opinion. Although he's a big lad, I don't actually think that he's a type of player who has a great hold of game. I think very much he does his work in the 18 yard box, getting on the end of headers, and hopefully we'll be able to save that when he comes back. Um, Matthew, does it solve the problem that we don't need a, a striker in January? Um, I'm not sure because I'm not sure how much you can rely on him fitness-wise. Obviously, it was an but injury the, rather than... The pair of them, yeah, potentially, yeah. back in the squad for the busy Christmas period. Mm. You know, I think I'd still like to see us bring someone in if we can. There's still going to be a lot of games. Um, and I think, although White gives a different dimension, I don't know whether we can bring someone in on, on loan or mm. I look to buy someone with some of the money that... Hopefully this is available, but see, I as I mentioned before, I would ideally would like to bring a striker in in January. But as I say, Charlie White, we paid the best part of a million pound for him, didn't true. we? You've got Sinclair who's on loan from a Premier League club, and you've got Josh Madger who's going for fun. So realistically, who are you going to bring in? Who's going to be ahead of him in the pecking order? I'm not sure if that's possible at this level. So then you're looking who's going to be happy to come in and essentially be a squad player or a fourth mm. choice striker in League One. No, I get that. Who, I will, think, who and, will be up the standard for what we're looking and, for? And Gareth mentioned on the Monday podcast bringing the striker in from Gillingham. I think it was uh, Tom Eves. Yeah, uh, and yeah, good point you've made there, Michael. Why would he then join yeah. a rotational squad system? Yeah, I think if we, as well. Although I would potentially like to see a forward brought in. I think we've got to look at someone that's going to be able to maybe make the step up, not getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah. There's no point bringing a League One journeyman in that could just be in and around. If you're going to pay money for him, you need, mm. he needs to be able to make the step up, otherwise you're going to have trouble shifting. Or do you do a short-term way. loan? Well, you could do, yeah. There's, there's the option, but then... How are you going to attract that from yeah. someone from the Premier League or something mm. like that, you know? Uh, well, OK, that'll bring us on to transfers in general, ins and outs. It's been a, a bit of... Um, bit of rumour on, on Twitter, uh, especially today, there was one about George Honeyman. I don't know if anyone else saw that. Complete speculation, of course. Uh, Sheffield United this time, not Sheffield Wednesday, um, for, for, in for, for, for George Honeyman. I mean, that rumour's not going away that he might be leaving, but, no. you know, he's, he's, he's an important part of the squad at the moment, let's face it. He's an integral part of the squad, and he's made himself so this season. However, if there is interest from a higher level and he wants to go there, then I don't think he's irreplaceable because a lot of his attributes, I'm not saying they're easy to come by in the lower leagues, but there's a lot more of them kicking around who were, as I say, were quite tenacious. And I know George Hunman does have ability, but his primary attribute is his work rate and the energy he gives you. And I think you can replace him, particularly like lower down the league. So I would, I'd be disappointed if he left, but I don't think it's... Uh, I wouldn't be devastated. No, I way. agree. I, I do like him and I think... He's gone from splitting opinion quite a bit, I think, to to a lot of people now do see what he what he brings to the side. Whether yeah. there was the issue with whether he should be captain or not, but I think he's he's turned into a good captain. To be honest, I think he's he's you look at him, how he's developing on the pitch and you see he's starting to lead more and he's great off the he seems to be great off the pitch as well with whether like small things like being really good with the mascots. There was a video video going around Twitter the other day. Um, he just seems like a really good lad, but it would be a shame to lose him, but. If he does go, you can't really, like like Mickey says, he's not going to be irreplaceable. Yeah, we had a few questions on this from uh, on on Twitter. Uh, Johnny Rivers and and Dan Hill both asking about transfers in and out, and one particular name which kept on cropping up was Josh Madges. Now Madges arguably our biggest mm. name, uh, which we haven't nailed down yet, and he's had such a great season. Uh, rumours have come out of the club that it was uh, possibly signing a five-year deal but we haven't seen any confirmation of that the sooner we get that over the line the better Michael 
yeah, of course, without a doubt. I mean, some people, for some reason, have this thing about Madu Weather must nitpick a negative aspect of his game. Mm. But realistically, I could see a top-flight club looking at the attributes he does have and think, well, we can develop his weaker points and take a chance on him, particularly if he's out of contract. So, yeah, it must be tied up as soon as possible and for as long as possible. So, in the future, if clubs do come sniffing around, we can get the best possible deal for the club. Do you think that um, he's seen what has happened to Joel Osoro at Swansea and thought... Maybe, maybe made him think. No more. No, not made him think twice because I'm sure he's very committed to the to the club if he does sign. But maybe he saw what Joel was offered, and then he hasn't really featured, has he, Matthew? Uh, Soro, no. I, it's a strange one because he started the season for Swansea. I've seen him a couple of times, and he was he was almost first choice, and he just disappeared totally. Yeah. Um, you think Do you think things like that play on the, the players' I think minds? It, I think it. I think it must because obviously the close friends, Madu and Soro, so yeah. I believe. So I would I would think they'd be in constant contact whether whether he's said anything to him even and, and gone look like not I wish I'd stayed but you you could do worse than to stay and get yourself a, a new a new contract there mm. and get promoted, get into the championship yourself and then I would be naive to say that directly think that he's gonna stay forever because someone will come in for him eventually but yeah. it's all about protecting ourselves with a new contract. Even if you give him a new contract then someone comes in they've got to give you however many millions of pounds to buy him. So yeah. But I think it could it could play on his mind. I think a lot of the stuff with Osoro was not necessarily him mm. wanting to leave yeah. as well. I think he was kind of led astray by a by an agent or something. Uh, Bally Mumba as well signing a, a long term deal at the club. That's got to be great for similar players of you know coming through of a similar age. They must look up to Bali now, who's you know essentially broken through into the the first team, hasn't he? Yeah, it's fantastic news that he's got a new contract. I mean, he's a bit of a breath of fresh air around the club, really. I mean, I suppose you would kind of expect a player who's 16, 17-year-old to feel like he's living the dream, but every time you see a video of him coming from the club at the training ground, he always seems to have a, like, a smile on his face and he's joking around and he's messing around. And he seems to be very much be like part of the first team um, fittings, which is really good to see. And um, like I say, like Frank, you just mentioned there, he's a great example to all the young pros that were trying to make yeah. it. And... On the pitch, he's never looked out of place in League One, which is never, a really tough yeah. physical league. He's really composed. He's so st- yeah. he's really strong, actually. Yeah, like for for his he's not very big. So he's Great just... sense of gravity. Yeah, yeah. which what? I think a lot of good modern footballers have. You yeah. know, Hazard, Aguero, that kind of thing. I'm not comparing them to those. I'm just I think I compared him to Cante at the beginning of the yeah. season. So I think <laughs> there we go. But one press me about Mumba was on the opening day against Charlton when. There was a lot of people in the first half saying a little bit overawed by the atmosphere and the mm. whole occasion. I mean, I'm not just digging out Luke or nine because I think he's been excellent recently. But on the opening day against Charlton, he looked caught like a rabbit in headlights. Yeah. Whereas Mumba was shown for the ball constantly, taking yeah. the pressure off people. And he was doing that all game. And he showed that against Luke the next week as well. So I think he's got a lot of attributes to be a key player for the club in years to come. Yeah. Um, any other um, in, in particular have you been keeping an eye on? Denver Hume still hasn't been nailed down, I don't think. Uh, was one of the names mentioned? Um, was Elliot uh, Ethan Robson? As Robson's well? got no. I think Robson signed a new one at the end of last season. I think That's he's good. got. He's tied down to twenty twenty. Yeah, good. Um, would you like to see? And apart from you, you mentioned maybe a striker yourself, Matthew. Would you like to see a strength in anywhere else on the pitch, Michael? I think on this podcast last week, I think I mentioned. I think right back is an area of concern. Because, I mean, Adam Matthews, I think he's actually been nominated for some award yeah. this month, hasn't he? And his, his performances are improving week in, week out, and he's a very good player at this level, and he's stopping cross coming to the box a lot more, as well as having these positive attributes going forward. However, he, he does have a reputation for being slightly injury-prone. Mm-hmm. And obviously, Donald Love as well, as much as he's not a very good player, he also picks up knocks and picks up injuries. 
So as I say, you're only a couple of knocks away from having like very limited options at yeah. right back, and you're having to move Flanagan across. When you I don't have to do that. When I did, you wouldn't be. Yeah, exactly, wouldn't be doing that. So I think that's got to be an area of priority if there is one. And obviously, it all depends on transfers coming in and out. Because if I don't want Catamore to go in a million years, but if he did have to go, I would be happy that we have options mm-hmm. in the centre of midfield. Mm-hmm. But if Oviedo goes again, left back, you might be looking a little bit short. I mean, I know you've got. Denver Hume, who would be waiting in the wings to come back if um but if anything happens to Reese James and all of a sudden you're looking a bit short at left back again. So if Oviedo goes, you might be looking to bring in another left back. As I say, it very much depends on who goes out of the club in January. Yeah. Um if you had to lose one of the big earners, who would it be, Matthew? It would be Oviedo for me, I think. Um I do get what you're saying, mate. I I just think Catamol's been so integral to the mm. to the team this season. And Oviedo was the um, perfect professional when yeah, he came back no, from the World absolutely. Cup as well, wasn't he? You, I'm not, like, you can't knock, apart from his red card, which was just silly, really. Um, you can't knock the way he's been and the, his performances have been good. But I think we do have a couple of left-backs there. You could probably bring in, bring in a, if you needed another bit of cover, you could probably find a, a cheap enough alternative to play, be third-choice left-back or, yeah, or, so, or, or a utility really, yeah. player that could maybe fill in there. So it would be, it would be Oviedo for me. Um, one player that has definitely gone is Papi Della Boggi's uh, contract's finally been, what would you say, um, resolved um, <laughs> and dissolved. I think it's, uh, the official statement said on the 21st of September mm-hmm. it was officially um, ended. Now that that's over, we close the book on that. Is that a bigger story to the wider world of football than just Sunderland Football Club, Michael? It seems to have gone a little bit under the radar, actually. I mean, I remember there was quite a bit of fuss when his and Ndong's contracts were first... Um, it was first mentioned, sorry, that the notice was being served on them contracts, but I haven't seen a massive wider reaction over the last couple of days with the uh, Papi de la Boggi yeah. announcement. But I do, agree, I do agree it is a little bit of a watershed moment in that there's a bit shown that like, clubs maybe do have a bit more power than maybe what they think and players maybe don't hold all the cards. I mean... Obviously, you're still going to have to see a few more cases like this, but I just hope that this inspired other clubs to take a similar stance against players that are taking the mickey, essentially. Yeah, just totally. I agree entirely. It, it it does. It gives something something for clubs to think, actually, hang on, like you are just totally pulling the wool over our eyes here. We're not, mm. we're not just going to sit and pay you for three years, no. The the uh, club statement said all <laughs> yeah, the sentences. Yeah, I scroll needed. down. It, it, was, <laughs> it was like four sentences. Well, not even that. It was four lines. Uh, Sunderland AFC has reached an agreement with Papi Dilabodji for his departure, his employment having terminated on the 21st of September 2018. There was also reports this week of um, Didier and Dong struggling to find a club uh, as well. Uh, are you, um, do, you, do you hope as a young professional that Ndong would go on to find a club or are you a kind of bitter Sunderland fan who thinks he gets what he deserves I'm going to have to be a bit bitter on this one I mean I am of quite a cynical disposition anyway but um, <laughs> no I think in this instance I think it would be good again you're talking about the wider context of football if young players could look at this and think well Papi de la Boggi, he's a relatively talented 23 year old who Endo. now and no, Dong, sorry. Dillabodji's not talented. No, he's not talented. He's also, <laughs> and also, despite the fact he played like a 23-year-old. He, um, like he 30 you know, or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But anyway, um, and Dong, as I say, like he maybe didn't show at Sunderland at times, but he showed like flashes of quality. Yeah. And I remember at the time, people used to compare him to Honeyman and say, well, he's the same age as George Honeyman, but people are praising Honeyman and slagging mm-hmm. off Dong when Dong at the time was putting in better performances in the Premier League. So as I say, he did kind of have the world his feet in a lot of ways, and now his career could be potentially over. As I say, I just would hope that young players would learn a lesson from it. 
And that's why I would be pleased if we didn't find a club, not even just be vindictive against Ndong. As I say, just so people would maybe think twice yeah, in the future no, and like, learn lessons from it. Yeah, yeah. I think, again, whether whether he was advised very badly um, could could well be the case with being such a young lad, but you don't know that. But I, I agree. I think if if he's made his bed, he can lie in it, really. Yeah, yeah let's move on the, the chat now to another s- subject, and that is the not postponing of the next home game for Sunderland, which is uh, Wickham. Uh, in 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 the league now, it was uh, speculated that it could have been postponed once again due to players being called up to international duty, which is a kind of it's it's tough, isn't it? Because you can't knock um, John McLaughlin for getting called yeah. up for the, for the, to the Scotland team. You know, we're, we're League One side, we've got internationals going out, which is why uh, this game could have been postponed. However, the club has made a decision, I guess, with John McLaughlin to. To play the game, or maybe more with Jack Ross's decision, because yeah. um, he's gonna, you, you know, he he's he's away, uh, so we're gonna have to play it with our second choice keeper. You presume this, this is what's yeah. happening. Yeah, you would. Yeah. Um, do you think that's? A, we'll start off with you, Matthew, on this one. Uh, are the club right to go ahead with the game? I think so. I would. I would have played the game, yeah, because I think down the line you might need to play these. You might. You could well be without these players anyway for a couple of games. So. They could get injured, they could get suspended. So I think if you turn around and say, for all, Robin Reiter was fairly fairly poor last season, mm. shall we say. I think if you turn around and say, we're not playing the game because we have to play you in goal, kind of if you could well have to rely on him in the future, in yeah. future games. So I think it is the right decision. I think it's going to put some confidence in him as well. It's going to kind yeah. of build him up a bit. And he could well be playing three games in a row as well, yeah. Reiter. So um, not that he's going to challenge McGoughlin for, for the number one shirt, but it, it you know, I think... It, and the likes of Leuven's and but yeah. do you think it's was, important to keep momentum? Yeah, because yeah. otherwise you go on two weeks without a game and you, you you're two games behind everyone. And as that, well. that gap like, for the Blackpool game was it was hard, it was wasn't it? Felt like forever. Yeah, it did. for a home game. Yeah, exactly, I think it's an important point when now you won games at home and you want to go up the match. Yeah. Whereas, yeah. as I say, the break from the last performance was too long. You felt as though well, we have been playing like majority of our games away from home, and I'm delighted that we've come through that unscathed. We've been winning these games. But it makes it hard for you. And I think, as, as I say, it's about making life easier. I mean, in an ideal world, you wouldn't want to be out McLaughlin and potentially... <laughs> is Flanagan being called up for Northern I think he Island? has, yeah. I think he has. So you don't want to be without those two players. Of course you don't. But um, I do agree entirely what Matthew says as someone who, like, I, I used to play in goal myself. And, like, obviously I'm not comparing it at all to the situation no. at Sunderland. Ooh. You um <laughs> No, but... I speak keeper. <laughs> <laughs> but no, if you... It's a very, it's a very strange position because your confidence can be very fragile and mm. mentally. As I say, if Jack Ross had turned around and essentially said, "Oh well, we don't feel as though we can risk playing you in the game," as I say, if that could knock his Thompson's long term. Then if say, for sake of McLaughlin's out for a few months and you've got to play a right there, then he's not going to be confident. And I think he touched on a very important point as well that I think he must play against Port Vale and Morecambe. Yeah, definitely coming up because. As I say, he needs to have a little bit of confidence in his back four, and I'm not so sure if he can play a Leuven's three games in six days, but I do think Wright definitely needs to play them games so we can get a little bit of understanding with yeah. the defence, and hopefully as well, in a team whose confidence isn't completely shot the bits, we might see some like, better performances from Wright because he's sure at times he's capable of pulling off good saves, and his distribution's not bad for a keeper at that level, and as I say, it was strange because he came with quite a lot of fanfare right there, and it's just, yeah. just it was funny how he kind of fell off a cliff as the season went on. But I don't think he um, he developed as well as he could at Sunderland because of the keepers he was around at the time. 
because he he was he was the best keeper by oh, a, was, a, a while yeah. by by far, wasn't he? Yeah. But I think being in such a negative keeper's camp at the time, um, no pun included, <laughs> uh, must have must have had a detrimental effect. It did. We saw. Yeah, especially as well early on the season, Simon Grayson chopping and changing the keepers on a regular basis, coming out saying that um, Jason Steele's his first choice, and then he's puts Robin Wright to win goal for the next game. Yeah. As I say, goal goal is very. Very strange. You have a kind of like a mindset, and you're very lonely in a way, and you're isolated yeah. from the rest of the squad, and you need your keeper to be as confident as possible and have as much self belief. And as I say, the way the keeper situation was last season, with just the way we chopped and changed keepers, it was frustrating enough to get as well. Before Wright got injured, he actually had a spell on the side where I think he kept a couple of clean sheets in a row. Yeah, and under Coleman, he was kind of becoming a bit more confident again, development. So, as I say, I don't think it's a disaster that he has to play. I, I really well, don't. It's without being. It's a home game against Wickham, mm. so you know you'd like to think that we can we can cope. Yeah, um, this has been touched on as well by a few people tweeting in. Big man two one zero one Craig, good handle. Uh, also touched upon this as did Leith Cat. And the FA Cup though is it a distraction uh, from not just the league but the checker trade? Uh, as uh, Leith Cat uh, tweeted us, should we bin it off and just concentrate on uh, the, the league or the league and the checker trade? No. No, nah, you don't want to be binning things off. I mean, because I mean, as well, it's a little bit of an illogical argument because the Morecambe game, by a, an absolute freak set of results, were basically qualified anyway yeah. Yeah. for the next round. So there's no need really to bin off the FA Cup and obviously you've got the financial incentives. Yeah, exactly. And as well, like I just enjoy winning games of football. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, I, right. and I just want to keep that going and you want to win as many games as possible. And then, so if we win on Sunday, that's seven games in a row in all yeah. competitions. And as I say, yeah. it's just once you get like on a... Because I've always said at Sunderland, you've seen when things go negatively, how hard it is to turn things yeah. around. Obviously, you've got the oil tanker analogy, which a lot of managers have trotted out. Mm. But we've also seen under Peter Reid and Roy Keane, once the city gets behind the football mm-hmm. club and we start going the right direction, we can be quite an unstoppable force in League One, as we're seeing at the moment. And there's clubs who are playing out of the skin against us and we're still winning games. So as I see, I just want to keep momentum going as much as possible and for as long mm. as possible. Well, let's uh, look forward then. Port Vale at the weekend in the FA Cup. 2.30 kickoff on a Sunday. Uh, Tony Davidson was on this podcast with Gareth and... Was it yourself? Or was it Craig? I wasn't on. Craig, it was Craig, think, yeah. yeah. And when they did the podcast from the stadium as the FA Cup was drawn. Uh, and Tony hoped for a game on the telly. I mean, he's got it. Uh, that's that's good for the the people who don't want to travel to to the away game, uh, but also financially rewarding as yeah, well. Yeah, it's um, it's some more money in the. I think it's seventy five thousand pound. I think for the for the television appearance, which yeah. it's not to be sneezed at really. It's not at all, especially where we are now. And you know, if you Mick, Mick, you mentioned the um, financial aspect, you get you get the third round. You know, you could be. Yeah. There's some big. Some big clubs waiting there. Newcastle at home. As well, though, it's a good point you raise about getting the third round. I would love that because I would love to see us be challenged against a team from a higher level and see how Jack Ross would set us up. Especially at that point in January. Yeah, exactly. You'd think we'd be flying by then. Yeah, exactly. And and as I say, it would be good to see us go toe-to-toe the Premier League side at home. I mean, obviously, it would be unrealistic to expect us to compete with the top team, but maybe like a Watford or a Bournemouth or something. Yeah, it would be. Someone who plays... A similar sort of football. Yeah, it'll, it'll, be, it'll be really interesting to see. It'll be good to see like how Jack Ross would set up against um, better teams because Guardiola v Jack Ross. Well, no. there's only one winner, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Jack Ross. Yeah. <laughs> well, we should actually, you know, look at Portfield. They're, they're a little bit. Um, they're in League Two. We don't know that much about them. How they're getting on this season? They are 13th in League Two. I mean, with 22 points from 17. Indifferent. Games. 
pretty Yeah, average. I mean, obviously, we just fact club that Robbie Williams supports, aren't there? That's essentially all everyone knows about yeah. Portville. Yeah. And uh, former Gate said, man, they last run's a manager. Just get that one in there because yeah, it's Yeah, nice fact. Yeah. But I couldn't know much else we do, do we? No. You know? um, You'd like to think we'd go there and get a, get a win, though. They've just drawn us home to Notts County was the last result. 2-2. No, two, two. There we go. Um, when we, we asked people on, on Twitter if they got anything we should uh, talk about tonight, send us any questions. Uh, we did have a question from Gyro Jim, who says, Is it too early to put your Christmas tree up? Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, moving on to a different <laughs> question from the Hopper family on Twitter. They said the stadium's looking good. Uh, any of you guys been down to change some seats? I believe they might have finished now. I was down last night, actually. All right, um, okay. Are they finished now? No, but they were... Well, they might be now, actually, as we speak. I mean, yeah. they were saying last night that they were hopeful of getting it completed today. There was only um, one remaining block, I think, to finish off today. Um, it was really good because um, it was the first time I've been down. Last night was the first time I've had the opportunity, and the stadium does look a whole lot better. There was a picture going around last night, mm. and I wasn't too sure on the white seats, I, I must admit, when they first introduced the idea. But now it's finished. It looks amazing. It looks really good. I think it's one of them. Under the lights, it looks really, really good. Yeah. Not so sure about during the daytime, but under the lights, I think there is something about it, and I yeah. quite like it. But as I say, it's just it's just pride, isn't it? And it's just it's all Civic been, pride as well. Yeah. It's, it, I mean, I think in years to come, when we reflect on this period of history, the seats are almost going to be symbolic. Yeah. Of like a new era at the mm. club, and as I say, when they first did the miles, maybe one of these people thinking, "Oh, we've got bigger things to worry about than seats mm. and all this sort of stuff," but. When you see the way it's brought like the community together, as corny as that sounds, and it, it'll be good, man. I mean, over the last few years, people felt that's disconnected from the club. But now, if you're a kid going to the game and like you know, like your dad's like being like fitting there yeah, like, no, seats and stuff like that, that it's, yeah. it's it's. I say it's quite nice. It's just there's, there's nothing really to be negative about, really, is yeah. there? Which is quite strange. <laughs> it's yeah, weird, no. isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, you should, you know, ideally, you're not going to see the seats. There's going to be plenty backsides on yeah. them. You know, in future. Aye. Well, uh, we're talking the Bradford game, aren't there? The Boxing Day game. Yeah, um, I think Stuart Donald said that, didn't he, on uh, the Rock Report podcast he was on last. He said that he'd love to open the, the top tier. Uh, could, we, could we do that at this level, do you think? Yeah. What's the capacity of the lowers? Is it 37? 36 or 37. I can see that, yeah, definitely. Uh, without getting ahead of things, I can see if we, if we go and <clears> Apparently win. hospitality is all, uh, doing really well yeah. for that game already. So We go on and win another few games in a row, though, all of a sudden mm. the, there'll be the demand, I think. Yeah, and if you and if you're for Christmas, and it'll be like you'll it'll actually be part of what makes it a special time of year, rather than oh, have I got to go up the match while I'm yeah. up here? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh well, um, we should probably uh, end proceedings. There's a bit of a brief one, but you know it's a FA Cup weekend and all that. Is the magic still there with the FA Cup? The for, it's like any competition. If you have a chance of winning it, yes, absolutely, the magic's there. I mean, you look at the League Cup and you look at the early rounds, and there's, you know, and the, the sorry. Um, even your top clubs, like there's half full stadiums yeah. and there's not much atmosphere about it. But then if you get the final, even when we play Manchester City, when they score, like those bodies everywhere in their end. And, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's like every competition, the check of trade, we just miss it out of hand. But if we get to the final, get the Wembley, you know what I'm saying? It becomes the best competition in the world again. So yeah, Absolutely. My predictions are, Matthew, what are you saying for Sunday? Uh, 3-1. 3-1, getting rid of that clean sheet. Wow. Different yeah. goalkeeper. Yeah. We'll see, we'll see. Michael? I've got every faith in Mr. Wright to 3 0. Yeah, let's hope so. Um, right, join um, Stephen and Gareth on Monday when they'll be reflecting on the Port Vale game. Uh, I'll be back next week as we look forward to that Wickham game. See you next time.
Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.